evening, in the brevity of the time that we have left, we will be considering the topic I have titled, The Lordship of Jesus. The Lordship of Jesus. This evening is going to be arguably one of the simplest teachings, but also one of the most consequential teachings you might ever hear. It's very simple. I might as well just call it Jesus is Lord, all right, which we say almost subconsciously at the spinal level all right so it's simple but please please if there's any evening i'll need you to minimize all forms of distraction if there's any evening i'll need you to bring out your notes and follow closely follow closely this is that evening and i pray that the grace of god will be released to us to you to me all right for me to deliver the counsel of god and for you to receive it in the mighty name of jesus come on is that the best you've got i said in the mighty name of jesus Glory to God. So our, our anchor scripture in this conversation has been Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and verse 2. I believe you should know it by now. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He says, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed, metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Praise God. I said praise God. Father, as we go into your word, we receive light. Let us be changed. Let Jesus be glorified. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name we have prayed. All right. So this evening, I'm taking us to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We'll dive straight into it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read to you a curious scripture that I first came across, I think, Maybe when I was in primary school, and uh, that's funny. Someone like, wow, well, and a friend of mine just came and said, say Jesus is Lord. So I said, Jesus is Lord. So he said, that means he has the Holy Spirit. And then I looked at him. What do you mean? And then he took me to this scripture. All right, so let's read it together. And then you'll know exactly, of course, that's not what that means. Anybody can say Jesus is Lord. So that's why I'm starting that way. That definitely this scripture does not mean your ability to say. That's just a basic ability to read or to hear and to repeat. Has absolutely nothing to do with the revelation of the scripture. So we're going to look at this. It says, therefore, I make known to you that no one, now follow closely this evening, please. No one speaking by the spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. Now, if you have a Bible... I need you to underline that word. I, I know most of us are using smart devices, and your smart devices will highlight the whole verse, not a particular word, and that's fine. All right, so if you want to highlight the whole scripture, but I need you to pay attention to that word, accursed. It is not a word that we very consciously understand. Um, even some versions have used the word cursed. There is a difference between accursed and cursed. There is a big, it's actually a big difference between accursed and cursed. And we'll get into it. It says, no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Alright? So you can't say that Jesus is Lord ex except by the Holy Spirit. Obviously, that doesn't mean you can't say it. Anybody can say it. Any demon can, can say it. Alright? And this is not even just saying or meaning. There is, there is a spirit revelation dimension to this that by God's grace we are going to unveil this evening. All right, so this is a very curious scripture. If, if, if you are like me, I'm reading this and I'm wondering, Paul, what exactly are you saying here to the church in Corinth? So for us to see a 
bit of a clearer picture in context. Let's read the preceding verses. I'm sure we are all familiar with 1 Corinthians chapter 12 from our School of the Spirit um, series. So, let us go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 1. It says, now concerning spirituals, I, I'm sure this is still fresh in your mind. Brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. So, the context here is a peep into the supernatural or into how spiritual navigations would work. All right. And verse 2 says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Now, that's the precedence that leads into verse 3. So, it's building a case where it will go on to talk about the gifts, operations, and administrations of the Spirit for the down. But in verse 3, it says something pretty instructive. It says, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. That's, that's profound. It says, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So one of the foundational things we want to establish as we examine this concept of the Lordship of Jesus is that for Jesus to be Lord over your life, you will need an empowerment of the Holy Spirit. This is not just your ability to say it, but your ability to live it, that Jesus is Lord over your life. That is only possible by a, by a free-flowing, dynamic, working spirit of God on your inside. Grants you that supernatural ability for Jesus indeed to be Lord over your life. Now, it doesn't leave us with that. It says that the alternative to this, to Lordship, is in normalcy. And that's where I want you to really pay attention. It doesn't mean Jesus is Lord over Sister A, and Jesus is just, boom. It says that if he's not Lord, then what you have done is you are reckoning Jesus as accursed, not cursed. So we are going to need to break down that word for us to understand exactly what the Apostle Paul is communicating by the Spirit, not just by the letter. All right, you can just read that and say, yes, the Holy Spirit, I can say Jesus is Lord. That's even how we greet in my church. Please follow closely. This is not a greeting. This is an instructive revelation that if you have not gotten to that point in your journey, in your walk with God, where you can comfortably, by the Spirit, reckon Jesus as Lord over your life, then the alternative existence there is that you are existing in a, in a, in a state where the works of Christ are considered accursed. Somebody say glory to God. Somebody say glory to God. All right, so let me, let, me, let me take us through this concept of lordship in, in the direction that the Spirit of God will have us understand it. And then once we understand that concept of lordship, then we'll go back to this verse, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3, and then we can break it down to see exactly the communication of the Spirit to us. Now, this is Paul writing a letter to the church in Rome. Paul, we know, did not plant the church in Rome. He planted a few churches, wrote to a couple of churches. The church in Rome was an already existing body of believers. And the book of Romans is foundational in Scripture as to understanding, all right? And let me just do a quick plug here. There's a two-part teaching, all right? Assignment, if you will take it as that, um, that Pastor Matthew did very recently, all right, on the book of Romans. Um, the, he titled it the Romantic Message to the Romans. So there's a first part, which is an overview of, an, of the entirety of the book, and then it delving into Romans 8. So it's there, it's there. Praise God, he can bless you, he blessed me deeply. All right, so, well, well we're staying just on Romans 1, um, Romans chapter 1. And Paul here introduces himself. And I want us to pay attention to this introduction because this is not the introduction of a regular man. This is, this is an introduction 
of a man that understands the lordship of Jesus. Follow me, please. This is an introduction of a man that understands the lordship of Jesus. So Paul writing to this already growing established church and sorting out the interference of, of, of Jews and Gentile relation, establishing that our righteousness is completely by faith in Jesus and there is a working of the spirit. He builds a case. Amazing book. All right. But he introduces himself here and says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Mm. Mm. This, is, this is deep. This is deep. Now, Paul was writing essentially to believers. How do I know? Now, he says in Romans 1, 7, I will take you back to Romans 1, verse 1, I'm shortly. But just to be sure that this is not conjecture. Indeed, he was writing to believers. He says, to all who are in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace for God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so you can see clearly that he, he was writing to a believing audience. Now, he introduces himself to this audience as Paul, a bond servant. So in the next few minutes, let's break that down. Paul, a bond servant. Paul, a bond servant. Paul, a bond servant. We know, if you had checked his birth certificate, the name Paul wasn't there. By the time we were introduced to the story of Paul, when he was authorizing, when he was consenting to the stoning of Stephen, the Bible introduced him to us as a young man by the name Saul, who was busy persecuting the church. Please follow. This is instructive. The change of name here and the choice identity that Paul chose to announce himself. His announcement was born servant. I need to break that down. That is the secret to understanding lordship. Once you understand the mystery of the born servant, you understand lordship, and then you, at the end of this evening, can now decide that is Jesus really lord over my life, or is Jesus an accursed thing? All right? You see, our work is not a lot, but it's very, very important. Paul, born servant, accursed lordship. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Are you still with me this evening? Now, let's go to Acts chapter 9, verse 4. The name Paul was not a, it was not a divinely announced name change. There are, there are examples in scripture where there is a, a divine encounter or supernatural um, announcement that specifies a name. So there is a name change. Good two perfect examples. The name change from Abram, father, to Abraham, father of many nations. A, a perfect example is the name change from Jacob, supplanter, all right, to Israel, the one who has contended and prevailed. All right. So those are examples in scripture. There are other examples that the name was changed for you. So it is not as though God changed your name. It is not as though you changed your name, but the name was changed for you. Perfect example is the Hebrew boys and Daniel, all right, whose name was Daniel. He had God in his name, but Nebuchadnezzar deemed it fit to introduce their idols, and he named him Belteshazzar, all right. So when he was addressing himself, he addressed himself as Daniel. I, Daniel, but they called him Belteshazzar, one of the king's wise ones. All right, so that was a name given to him by the world, but the name he chose was Daniel. 
Follow me. Now, the, the story of, of Paul is a bit different. His name was not divinely changed, and his name wasn't what he was called. He announced himself as Paul deliberately, all right, in subservience to the Lordship of Jesus. Why? He introduces himself, Paul, a born servant of Jesus. Acts chapter 9, verse 4 is on your screen. When Jesus appeared, appeared to Saul. Jesus didn't call him Paul, Paul. He called him Saul, Saul. So you can see here that at the point where he, 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 he had his first encounter with Jesus, there was no name change. Acts 9, 4. He fell to the ground, heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So we can see his name was Saul. Everybody knew him as Saul. He had an encounter with Jesus. Jesus called him Saul, Saul. Someone says, so what happened? At what point? Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Acts 13, verse 2. Another interesting confirmation that this was not by divine mandate. It was a deliberate choice. And that's how you know lordship. Hmm. Acts 13, verse 2. It says, and the minister to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now this is the Holy Spirit speaking, it says, separate to me Barnabas and Saul. Barnabas and Saul. Alright, so Jesus said, Saul, Saul, the Holy Spirit said, Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. For the work to which I have called them. Now what does Saul mean? Saul is a Jewish name that means desired. Paul is a Gentile name that is easier to reckon with with the audience that Jesus had sent him to. And it means little, 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 hmm. little. Hmm. And then suddenly, the Bible just tells us Saul, who is also called Paul, and that was it. Everywhere else, and that was Luke who documented the book of Acts. Everywhere, everywhere else, Paul, Paul, Paul. In fact, um, a scholar noticed that after he changed his name from Saul to Paul, the order changed. Before, it was Barnabas and Saul, the apostles and Saul, the apostles and Saul. When he adjusted to the order of Christ, it was now Paul and, Paul and, Paul and, Paul and. Let me tell you, when we subscribe fully to the Lordship of Jesus, what happens is that we take our rightful place. And, and what exactly does it mean to be Lord? Let's start breaking this down now. I, I, I'm going to read this down the way I wrote it. If we are writing down, please write it down. Don't forget this. What does it mean to be Lord? A Lord is the one to whom the answer is yes, irrespective of what the question is. That's the meaning of Lord. I'm going to say that again. Lord, when we come and say Jesus is Lord, Jesus is Lord, that is convenient speak, all right? The, your true Lord is the one to whom the answer is yes, irrespective of what the question is. The answer is already yes. The answer is already yes, irrespective of what the question is, which is why when we, when we lead people to, to Christ and they become born again, part of the very important conversations they make, one is a statement of of, of truth today. The other is a statement of a commitment to a journey. I confess you as Lord and Savior. All right? The Savior has already died for you. And I need you to please remember that. Lord 
and Savior, when we go back to 1 Corinthians 12, 13, accursed or Lord, accursed or Lord, his Savior is already died. But the big question is, is he also Lord? Is your answer always yes? Or does it depend on what the question is? Does it depend on what the request is? Does it depend on what the need is? Does it depend on the convenience level? Does it depend on the time of the year? Does it depend on the weather? Does it depend on your mood or your feelings? Or is it truly Lord? Is your answer always yes? Remember, your Lord is one to whom the answer is always yes. Yes. You know, when I attend marriage seminars, and, and, and for those who are waiting, right next year, we're going to have a couple of those. Some people think it's not spiritual, but you know that we, <laughs> if there's any spiritual church, all right, let me just leave that. Glory to God. Glory to God. You know, one, one, one thing people say a lot is, um, Sarah called her husband, Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Right, that, was, that was patriarchy at work. We know that Abraham was taking instruction from Sarah. So let's just leave that for another day. I think the big lesson there is not that you should tell your wife, call me Lord. No. The big lesson there is that there is a possibility for you to say, Lord, I still do want dishing out instructions. And it's, 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 it's really instructive that it is Apostle Paul that introduces himself as Paul, all right, exchanging a more desirable name, which literally means desired, to a lesser name, but willing to identify with his purpose because he saw in his calling that Jesus has said, I am sending you. So if these guys are going to have to receive me, then it's, it's a name they can identify with, but they can also reckon me as little and they can reckon my Lord as big. Hmm. And the, Paul gave us essentially the revelation of our identity in Christ. So of all people, maybe he shouldn't be the one reckoning himself as little. Maybe he shouldn't be the one reckoning himself as bond servant. All right? And part of what the Spirit of God wants you, under the sound of my voice, to know is that there is a kind of understanding you can have of your believer's identity, of your believer's authority, that it, it, it puffs you up in a way that... Jesus is not Lord. You are Lord. And then Jesus takes instructions from you. And who do you quote? You quote Paul, and Paul reckons himself. He says, Paul, a bond servant. A bond servant. See, child of God, if you're understanding, and we're coming to this by God's grace, in the month of December, Wednesdays, we are revisiting the topic of the believer's identity, who you are in Christ, what you have in Christ, where you sit in Christ. We are going to break that down in the month of December if Jesus tarries. Very instructive, but every understanding of identity that makes you Lord and Jesus the one taking instruction, then there is an aberration of divine order. And every time we see an aberration of divine order, then the serpent has come in. He has snuck in, not, not coming now. Coming means he's coming through the door. The thief, all right, breaches the gate. Every time there's an aberration, this is my understanding of identity. I am Lord of all. It's an aberration of order. The serpent has crept in. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, you know the scripture. This was the, the mandate. Let me take you to verse 28. He said, God created man. Read that as mankind, not gender-based. In his own image. The image of God, he created them. And then the serpent shows up. Genesis chapter 3, verse 5. It says, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and what? You will be like God. It says, let's reverse the order. Every time you see a reversal, 
It's suggestion that the serpent has come. Child of God, who is Lord over your life? Are you Lord or is Jesus Lord? Are you Lord or is Jesus Lord? The devil is always seeking confusion. Constantly seeking confusion. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. He says, for God is not the author of confusion. Everywhere you see confusion, God is not there. God is not there. Jesus is Lord. Somebody say with me, Jesus is Lord. Come on, say it with me. Jesus is Lord. Glory to God. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. All right. So, Paul, so we've settled the name Paul. We've settled that understanding. Bond servant will come to bond servant very shortly. But I want us to look at this concept of accursed. What does it mean to be accursed? It's very different from cursed. Very different from cursed. Now, to be accursed means... The word there is anathema. It means it's the equivalent of what in Arabic you call aram. It's it's taboo. All right, it's a taboo. It's different, of course. It, you, you know that very different, different from a curse. To be accursed means it's it shouldn't be it's it shouldn't be touched. Examples. Examples. Akan. Achan, there was specific instruction. When you get into the first, principle of the first, remember, when you get into the first, do not touch anything there. Do not take anything there. For it is what accursed. And for believers who don't pay their tithe, this is the word, anathema. Accursed. Not cursed, of course, not cursed, accursed. So let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 3. Glory to God. Wow. Wow, what a God. It says, therefore, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. Hmm. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So let's probe a bit. This concept of being accursed, where is it from? This concept of being anathema, where is it from? I'm going to take you very quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy 21, and we'll read verse 22 and 23. This will help you to understand what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, now, this is classic law. I remember the law is classic shadow, all right? And the fullness of all things is revealed in Christ. Now, he says in Deuteronomy 21 verse 22, glory to God. It's getting out in here. He says, if a man has committed a sin... Deserving of death. Hmm. For all have seen and have come short of the glory of God. If a man, follow me, has committed a sin deserving of death, and that person is put to death, and you hang him on a tree. You hang that one on a tree. It says, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day. He says, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving to you as an inheritance. He says, for he who is hanged is accursed. Of God. He who is hanged is accursed of God. So, what Paul is saying here, he's saying he who is hanged there is, as it were, a picture of that. It, it's, it's an imagery of the Savior. He's saying that by the Spirit of God, there is a dimension of that move that pushes you from living Christ, as it were, on the cross as Savior, to you installing him as Lord over your life. It says that you can only get to that point where you can say Jesus is Lord by the Holy Spirit, by the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord? It means our answer to him, irrespective of the question, is yes. 
Mm. So is Jesus Lord over your life? Or have you left him on that tree? There is Savior. He's died for you. Yes. He's died for your sins. Yes. But now he's taking instructions from you. He's taking instructions from you. There is no record of obedience. There is not, there's not, you, you can look at your life and there's not one thing you can say, Lord said to me, and then I did, obeyed. The ones who want your answer is yes, irrespective of what the question is. The ones who want your answer is yes, irrespective of what the question is. Let's probe a bit deeper. Let's probe a bit deeper. Child of God, I remember th- our conversation here is on renewing the mind. Paul says, he says that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. He uses the term that he says this is your reasonable service. There is a type of service that is unreasonable. Where you create the instruction, you obey the instruction, and then you count it as obedience. That's unreasonable service. He says that the Lordship of Jesus, the Lordship of Jesus, and the reason why you need the Holy Spirit is because this sacrifice is living. This sacrifice can wake up and walk away from the altar. This this sacrifice can say, I'm done with church. I'm done. I'm gone. And the sacrifice can walk away. There is a tendency of a living sacrifice. The, the power of a sacrifice is not necessarily, of this sacrifice, follow me, is not that it is dead and then it can't move. It's that it can move, but it has chosen to stay by virtue of the power of the Spirit in response to the Lordship of Jesus. It says, then your service is reasonable. Then, your worship is acceptable. Then your obedience counts as you say yes to the Lord. Yes to the Lord. Where you've got into a point in your life where God says, I want your sleep. The answer is yes, Lord. I want you to fast for the next three days. Your answer is yes, Lord. I want you to pray for this person. Your heart is best. No, God. Any other person, yes, I'll pray. But this one, no. But because, remember, you are not leaving him a course now. He's not just on the cross, but you have been stored in by the Spirit as Lord. Your answer is yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I need you guys to wake up every morning to pray and to intercede for your city. To take possession. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And uh, uh, we, 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 are, we live in a time where... We have become arrogant about Jesus not being Lord. You hear things like, he's <laughs> just calm. He's just calm. You just go there. You slave away. Slave away. And nobody says thank you. You don't understand lordship. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that leaders shouldn't appreciate, all right, they are co-laborers. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. But there's a dimension of lordship. I'm doing this because my, my Lord said so. My answer is yes. If you coincidentally tell me thank you, fine. If you forget to say thank you, my answer is yes, Lord. I need you on that spot. Yes, Lord. It wakes you up in the middle of the night. You want to sleep. You need to sleep. Your answer is what? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever the question is, my answer is yes. Whatever it is you will need me to do, my answer is yes. Whatever it is I think I have, that you are placing a demand on and requesting for my convenience. Whatever it is, my answer is yes, Lord. 
Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Remember Romans 1, 1, Paul, a bond servant. So what exactly does it mean to be a bond servant? A bond, remember, we are walking scriptures here. So we, we just said cursed and accursed are not the same. In the same way, bond servant and servant are not the same. Hmm. Hmm. So let's go to scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 15. Deuteronomy 15 verse 1. You know, we said this is how we establish truth. All scripture. Deuteronomy 15 verse 1. This is the law of the jubilee, or law of the release. And let's, let's look at God's words together. It's on your screen, I believe. Yep. It says, at the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. <laughs> what a policy. How many of you would love that for, for credit card companies? <laughs> After every seven years, you will just notice in the sixth year, boy, every shopping spree. <laughs> I know God warned about that in scripture. Hmm. At the end of every seven years, you shall grant a release of debts. Verse 2. And this is the form of the release. Every creditor who has lent anything, somebody say anything. Come on, I see with me this evening. Somebody say anything to his neighbor. He says, you shall release it. And he shall not require it of his neighbor or his brother. Because it is called, can you see the Lord showing up there now? Woo! I see, I love the word of God. When you start interacting with the word and the spirit of God begins to open your eyes, you, sometimes you are by yourself, you want to start dancing. He says it is the Lord's release. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. So this is introducing us to the concept of jubilee. The, the, the concept of release. At the end of every seven years, there will be this release. And then there's a grand one, which was a celebration of jubilee. It says seven times seven, 49. All right, in the 50th year, you will proclaim the Lord's jubilee. Hmm. Glory to God. I said glory to God. So this is the concept that is further developed to make us understand born servant. Remember, it is different from servant. It is different from servant. A born servant is different from servant. Let's go to verse 12. We're still in the same Deuteronomy chapter 15. Let's read from verse 12 to 14, and then we'll go to verse 16 for those who are taking notes and writing. Deuteronomy 15 from verse 12. It says, if your brother, a Hebrew man, Hebrew woman, is sold to you, all right, so that's the concept of a servant, and serves you six years. Now we understand this. This is the law of the release coming to play. We, are we still together? All right. All right, it says, then in the seventh year, you shall let them go free from you. All right? Is that your Bible? Now, verse 13 says, and when you send him away free from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. Hmm. It says you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. This, this, these are very deep concepts. It says from what the Lord your God has blessed you with, you shall give to him. And that person becomes a free man, a free woman. They become, as it were, saved. Mm. They become saved. It says, however, by the working of the Spirit of God on a renewed mind, there is another dimension that will take them from being saved to being reinstalled now under lordship. 
And that's the concept of the bond servant. He says, and if it happens that he says to you, I will not go away from you because he loves you. And your house, since he prospers with you, all right, verse 17 there, which is where we're going to, he says, then you shall take an owl, that's like a sharp piercing instrument, all right, you thrust it through his ear to the door. This is deep. All right, and it shall be your servant forever. Also to your female servant, you shall do likewise. Now the name that this person bears, after they have passed on the opportunity for this Lord's release, is that they transfer into bond servanthood. They are now permanent under a Lord. It's amazing. These guys lived this shadow just for us to live the reality. It says there is such, and you know what this means? You can see people walking about and you can tell. <laughs> you can see them. You, all you have to look is at their hearing. Woo! I hope someone is getting this. We, we, can, we can audit your hearing and we can tell if you are a born servant. It says that you can see people passing when you see the piercing. And I'm not talking obviously no physical piercing here. It says, but you can audit a journal of hearing and you can tell if this person has a Lord. And if Jesus is their Lord, you can audit their obedience. You can tell if the answers are always yes, irrespective of the question. The ones that have been pierced are born servants. Paul here announcing himself, the apostle of grace, the one who ushered in the deep revelations of identity, record himself, Paul, a born servant. What he's saying there, my ears have been pierced. Whatever the master wants, he is Lord. My answer is yes. Whatever the master, I've passed on my release. I am saved, yes. But now I've come back voluntarily. Did you see that? It says, because he loves you voluntarily. This is the concept of a living sacrifice here. The option was there to go, not just to go, but to go with threshing, with wine, all right? With wheat, <laughs> with, with surplus from the blessings. He said, go. He said, but there is a dimension of lordship. Only a renewed mind can do that. You come back and say, Master, I know you saved me. I know you've released me, but I'm staying. I'm staying. I says, are you sure you're staying? Yeah. Are you sure you're staying? Yeah. It's painful. It's painful. Are you sure you're staying? Yes, I'm staying. Are you sure you're staying? Yeah. My spirit is going to be there. My grace is sufficient for you. But are you sure you're staying? Say, yes, I'm staying. I'm staying, Lord. I'm saying, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. You know, it was Peter that said, no, Lord. And immediately, that was how he established the scripture. It wasn't the apostle to be Gentiles. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Our answer is yes. Whatever the question is, our answer is yes. And you can look at us and check out our ears, and you can see a track record of obedience. The Lord says, stand, you stand. He says, sit, you sit. He says, I don't want no food for seven days. He says, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. These ears appear. Yes, Lord, I will do your will. I will do your way. I am yielded. Your Lord is the one to whom the answer is yes. For many of us, our real Lord is our flesh. You tell yourself, I will fast every Monday. I'm giving an example. I'll fast every Monday. Then your Lord, this one, this, <laughs> this one says, eat, eat. You just say, yes, Lord. Jesus, the one on the cross. You will understand, but this Lord says it now. So, maybe it's like 11.30. I've tried. I've tried. 
The Lord says, stand in the gap for the next three days. I need you interceding. Or I just want you to dance. I want you to worship me. You say, yes, Lord. Then your Lord. Sleep. Sleep. Say, watch movie. Watch movie. Watch two more. Two more. Just two more. And then you say, yes, Lord. Of course, you don't say yes, Lord. But remember, it's, not, it's the one you eventually obey. That is Lord. The one you eventually obey. That is Lord. Child of God, are you yielded to him? That is what it means for Jesus to be Lord over your life. Only a renewed mind can function at this frequency. Only a supply of the Spirit can make you say, I've got into a place by the grace of God. And let me just, let me just say this now. The scriptural definition, if you are writing, you can write this down. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. The scriptural definition of consecration is the extent to which you are yielded. That's the scriptural definition of consecration. Consecration doesn't mean you wear dirty clothes. Consecration doesn't mean you don't use deodorant or you, or you look tattered. That's not consecration. All right? Consecration is the extent of your yieldedness to the Lordship of Jesus. That is consecration. The, the audit of your obedience, the, the piercing of your ears, as it were, your, your ability to respond to the instructions of your Lord, that is consecration. That's consecration. That's consecration. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Are you still with me this evening? Come on, somebody say glory to God. This is not a message to condemn you. The light has come so that we can adjust. He said don't conform. Don't conform. Be transformed. But people will say your own is too much. Are you the only church in Canada? Are you the only church in Canada? Our yes is to our Lord. Whatever I ask to do. Our answer is yes, yes, yes. Why are you guys praying so aggressively? Our answer is yes. Our answer is yes. Why are you so faithful? Your pastor doesn't even see you. Your pastor doesn't even say thank you. I'm a parent. My answer is yes, Lord. You keep on fasting and praying for this person. They are not changing. They are even getting worse. My answer is yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I'm hungry. I need to break right now. But I already said yes to my Lord. My belly is not my Lord. My, my sleep, my bed is not my Lord. I say yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yieldedness to his spirit. That's real consecration. Child of God. I've said this story before many times here in KICC. I know we have a large audience, or a larger audience, I should say, of people connecting from, from various ministries, and there are those who just, they just do Spotify. There are those who just do iTunes. I mean, uh, there was a time I was seeing the countries from which people listen on iTunes and Spotify. I was like, oh, wow. We are literally in the ends of the earth. Praise God. All right, so I've shared this story in the time past, but let me just share it again. Uh, when I was in children's department, we, we called it Kidet in Foursquare. And there was this drama. I was part of the drama group. I was part of, I was, you know, as a pastor's child, you are in every department. <laughs> what a blessing. Uh, which is why when, when God is designing you, um, when God is designing you, um, the, the training I had growing up, there is nothing today, nothing that by the Spirit of God I can do in the church, in service of the Father. There is nothing I can do, all right? Because we were, we were pioneers. We had to go pioneer. That's good. So you have to learn to do everything as the pastor's child. I can do choir. I can do usher. I can do prayer department. I can do technical. Then we didn't really have technical. You know. 
I can do piano, I can do drums, I can do guitar. You, you, you just had, we were essentially, now the scientists, we get this. We were pluripotent cells. Whatever, whatever the master needed you to specialize, you will do it. If you need soprano, we'll do soprano. If you need treble, we'll do treble. If you need tenor, we'll do tenor. If you need sit down, you sit down. If you need sweep, I will sweep. I've told myself there's nothing I can't do. Not, nothing in obedience to my Lord. To sleep, to wash the washrooms, to tie your lace. Ease, Lord. Now, that song will make a new meaning to you. It will make a new meaning to you. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead. Not just Savior left on the cross. The Deuteronomy said, don't leave the body there. Hmm. Every knee must bow. Every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord by the Spirit. Glory to God. I was sharing that cadet drama with you. I've shared it many times. I'm being mindful of my time as we begin to round up now. Um, and um, I was Jesus, fortunately, in that drama. Someone else was devil, and there was this guy who had, who had his house. So I knocked on the door. The scripture for that, obviously, was Revelation 3.20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear me, it says, Let him open. I will come in. I will dine, sup with him. All right. So I knocked on the door. This was a drama. Um, the person opened the door and I introduced him myself. I said, I'm Jesus. So he said, oh, come into my house. And then he said, I have a room for you upstairs. Please go and stay there. So I went, to, I went obviously, offstage to the room upstairs. And then someone else came in. And that was devil wore black, obviously. Black covering. My, mine was white. So devil knocked. Of course, that one doesn't introduce himself. Even the knock, he's just, <laughs> he's not to enter. He says, the thief comment. <laughs> All right. And then but in, the dra in the drama, we allowed the devil to knock. And then the <laughs> And then the devil comes in, beats the owner of the house, and then shortly after, the owner of the house comes and says, Jesus, boy, I, I allowed you into my house. Why didn't you come? And then my role in the drama was to say, I was in the room where you asked me to stay. All right. So the, the, the owner of the house said, okay, don't stay in the room. The old upstairs is for you. The old upstairs. Well, I said, oh, wow, thank you. You know, he's meek and lowly. <laughs> and then um, the devil comes back again. And then beats the guy. And I was, I was like, I was up. You, you get the story. You get where he's going. What? Children's play, but it, quite instructive. And then at some point, the guy said, okay, you know what? I want you to, to go downstairs. Go downstairs. All right? Because I suspect that's where the devil is going. Uh, eventually, the guy got it. He said, you know what? Jesus, this house is for you. The entire house is for you. And then you guys know how the drama ends. Then the devil comes and knocks again. And I show up. Praise God. Woo! Glory to God. Glory to God. All right, but the summary is that child of God, he has saved you, established. Jesus has to be Lord over your life. Jesus has to be Lord. You have to be yielded completely. How completely yielded your bodies living sacrifices. All right, your time yielded. Your talents yielded. Your treasure yielded. You know what someone, people don't want to hear again. Is the someone about seed? Because you believe pastors want your money. But it, it means that something else is Lord, and that is not Jesus. You know, in this church, and I, I say this publicly with all pride, we don't shout it on the rooftops. Maybe we should to help some people. But people give in this church. They give. I'm not talking offering. They give. Those that don't give, don't give. Those that give, give. They give random seeds, well 
taught, properly trained. Because these are principles from Scripture. And it's always in obedience to your Lord. Obedience to your Lord. Because your pastor really is not your Lord. Your pastor can encourage you. But you must be able to hear Jesus. Say, do this. Do this. I am sending you. Do this. No. Yes, Lord. The one to whom our answer is yes, irrespective of what the question is. As we begin to round up this evening, I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Christ lives in me. This lordship, I can't do it by myself. Remember where we started from, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 3? It says that for you to live that level of being, of, of, of reckoning Christ as a cursed, and then for you to reckon Jesus as Lord. He says it is by the Holy Spirit. Paul here is instructing us. He says, Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He gave himself for me then I can give myself for him. What, and when you put it on a scale, what, really, what am I giving? On the balance of things, what, your time, your sleep, your food, your resources, your obedience. Glory to God. Glory to God. There's a scripture that the author of Hebrews references, I think about three or four times. It's in the Psalms. And I want to round up with that this evening. Child of God, the word of the Lord to you this evening is, I want all of you, not some of you. As we begin to eat the meal on the earth now, your mind needs to be renewed. I want all of you, not some of you. And trust me, there is no better way to live life. The devil has lied to you. You will now carry Jesus on your head. No, no, no. It's, it's that's the real life. The, the pleasures that you are not willing to let go of. They are not pleasures. They are not pleasures. They are not pleasures. Jesus wants all of you, not some of you. There are those who have joined a timetable. They show up in church once a month. They show up at their cell meetings once in five months. He says, I want all of you. I want your faithfulness. I want your consistency. I want relationship with you. I want our study time settled. I want prayer time settled. And some nights, we ask you for a bit more, a bit more. I have my own personal testimonies. I'm, 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 not, I'm not led to share it publicly with, publicly with you. It's not convenient in the flesh, but by his spirit. You will always find out. When you get up, you'll discover that there's grace there. When you dip your feet in the water, you'll discover that it's no longer water. It's parted. That's how it works. His grace is sufficient for you. But your answer has to be, yes, Lord. Psalms. Chapter 95, verse 6 to 8. As we bring this evening to a close. Mm. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, we are not his God. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hands. Today, 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 KCC, Canada, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not hide in your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. Child of God, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Harden not your hearts. Don't leave this evening saying, man, that's too tough. That's too much. That's too much. PD. Next week now, we will come from our bank account because he has taught us on logic. That's not 
I, I, I are they not your hearts? What I come for is not important. What your Lord comes for is what is important. And I pray for you that the grace to say yes, the grace to obey, the grace to have your ears marked for your Lord. I pray that grace is released to you in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. I want to pray with someone this evening. We say, I'm not even saved. I'm not even saved. Let alone Jesus be Lord. I've lived my life the way I want. I've been God of my life. I've called the shots. I've done everything in the way I wanted. But now, the Spirit of God has done the work on my heart as He was speaking, as the word was coming. I just sense that it's now. Yes, today is the day of salvation. I want to encourage you. This is the best decision you can make ever. God is not intimidated by your past. He's not intimidated by your sin. He's not intimidated by how bad or how terrible you think you are. His grace is more than enough. His grace is more than enough. He's saying, come, 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 my child. Come, my daughter. Come, my son. Come, my son. The devil is a slave master. He's a taskmaster. Our Jesus is a merciful Lord. He says, come, come, come. And this is my invitation to someone on the sound of my voice. Come, come, come home. Come on, come on. As you acknowledge your sin and your need for a Savior, as you believe that Jesus died for you, took your place on the cross. He died in the grave, but the grave could not hold him down. He's very much alive and well, and he wants to live in you. He wants to live with you, and he wants to live through you. But you have to say yes to him. I want you to confess him with fresh understanding as Savior and Lord over your life. Father, I agree with your sons, your daughters under the sound of my voice making this all-important decision this evening. I ask that your life will invade them, that grace is multiplied to them. As they confess you, Lord and Savior, and believe in the perfect work of Jesus, that they are past their sin, their guilt is taken away, that today marks a new day in their lives. And that these ones will bring many to salvation. They will be established in you. They will explore the newness of this life. And their lives will bring you glory. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, gracious Father, because it is done. For in Jesus' name we are prayed. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Come on, come on, come on. This is an amazing miracle wherever you are. Jab those hands together and give the Lord a big shout. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you're a champion. God bless you.